Hello, welcome to Fizzle Show. Thanks, Akil. Hi, this is the Fizzle Show. This is a podcast for interesting small businesses because too many of them fail. Okay, every Friday we publish another conversation about entrepreneurship, building a thriving audience, and the battle of supporting yourself doing something that you care about. In this episode, uh, we answer three questions from listeners covering a couple things. The three things uh, a hopeful entrepreneur should do right after school. What do we think they should be? We answer that. And uh, whether you should start a podcast first or create a course first. Okay, those are two of the three things we chat about. Much more in the show. Uh, Your hosts are, there are three of us, okay, and every show A listener writes an intro for us, and this one comes to us from Bonnie, who says, If we three fizzle guys uh, were things that you'd find at Whole Foods, Corbett would be the general manager because he wears lots of hats. Barrett uh, would be the friendly dude in the produce department who not only knows what a cherimoya is, but will walk you to it while explaining its history, nutritional content, and suggested preparation. And Chase, that's me, would be the cafe because you can get something fruity, something rich, something unidentifiably foreign, and something sweet all on the same plate. <laughs> Thanks so much, Bonnie. Uh, enjoy the show. Follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash 95. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps. So let's get into it. That, that it's like, okay, moving on to the next. Yeah, it's true. Niceties are, are, are like the worst thing to me. Like just like, like small talk mm-hmm. and just like, you know, things like that. It's just so boring. So yeah, boring. I, I agree, except something about the weather that I just can't deny. I really do like talking about the weather. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, you know what, guys? I finally, I'm going to come clean. <laughs> I've been holding this back for too long and I'm just going to let the world know. I enjoy talking about the weather. <laughs> Reminds me of my friend Andy, who literally I'm like, Andy, what's going on with the weather? And he'll just be like, Well, see, we've got a we've got a high pressure system moving in. So like we probably won't see it for another day and a half, probably <laughs> it, sixteen is it, hours. Is it real or is it total bull? No, it's totally real. He he's like he, he like keeps wakes his finger up on the pulse of what's going. He on. He wakes up and he like fires up his Doppler and and just can't wait to see like where the where the high pressure system's going next. Where that high pressure is. And what do you like to talk about about the weather, Corbett? What do, what do you mean? You like you just like it? You're like yeah, it's sort of gray. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna get better though. I don't know. It must come from my dad or something because that's the only thing we talk about. <laughs> he's Gosh. like, "What'd you do today? And how's the weather?" Basically, um, I don't know. When you tell me that it's sunny and beautiful up there in Portland, I'm like, oh, that's awesome. It just, it <laughs> just get, makes me feel good. You get fired up. <laughs> oh, gosh. And then Barrett, it's snowing in, in Arkansas or wherever the hell you are. Atlanta. <laughs> Arkansas. It's, it's never good when it snows here. Yeah, I can only worries. imagine. Could there be any more boring radio than the weather, though? Seriously. I <laughs> know. Yeah, I was thinking about it. I was like, am I going to leave this in? I think hey, I want to leave it in. <laughs> hey, I got I got a quick other update for you guys that is What's pretty, that? pretty exciting. Uh, January was a really great month for the Fizzle Show. We we uh, we really had a lot of listeners in January, and I don't know why exactly. Maybe really? it's, it's a, a fresh start to the new year, and people are excited. But um, yeah, January was uh, maybe like seventy percent higher in terms of uh, plays in SoundCloud than nice. December and, and November were. 
We also had a couple of episodes air that were really popular. The the the, yeah. the few that we did on uh, discovering, I forget what you call it, unmistakably incredible uh, <laughs> content or whatever, epic four G content or something like yeah. that. Well, there's episode eighty six, fizzleshow dot slash eighty six, which is reverse engineering massively shareable con- content. And there I, you go. I still I still stand by that. As much as I dislike the headline, uh, give I, us. I, Give us the other headline with the 27 whatever. Yeah, like 27 ways to stumble upon uh, un, <laughs> unskippable. Co- I don't know. It's so bad. It's, oh, it was good. That's 27 way. Yeah. Oh, God. Wait, you know no, the, guys- word, the word was good. Hold on. You're turning into a, a headline whore. It said uh, 27 ways to stumble on unbeatable content ideas. Oh, man. Just just kill me now. And you know, like, I, think- I am the problem. No, you're not. That was like one of our most popular. Here's, here's I know. My this thing. sucks. This sucks. Why is no. why? Here's here's the thing. If if it was like 27 ways blah 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 and then people get in and there's absolutely no relation to that and it's just cat gifts or whatever which I I know you would think was really cool but That would be my favorite thing on the internet. But uh I feel like if the headline serves a purpose to draw more people into something that's legitimately useful then then it's great because you have to cut through yeah. the noise somehow. There's so much stuff out which there. Which is you have yeah, to like, which is to me like sort of the 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 hack I keep trying to come back to is like listen, just be useful. Just talk about the usefulness of this thing. Like, like just, just, just focus on what's useful about this thing as like the simple sort of headline thing. When you get the, when you listen to this, you will be able to do X, Y, or Z, right? And then just put that into a coherent sentence. But still, it's just like, I, I can't help, but sometimes a, he- a headline, like, uh, a headline to me is kind of like the first thing that you say or do at a party when you're meeting new people and you're trying to like, you know, you're trying to warm them up a little bit, you know, get to know you, yeah, the good but parts. but I have such better lines than that. You Chase know what I mean? just humps their leg. What? Yeah. That's, what, that's why it said not just say, but also do, because uh, Chase is more of an action kind of guy when he meets Yeah, I walk person. in and I was like, what is going on, my friends? My name is Chase. I come here to bring you many good spices and earth love. I bring the magnetic energy of Krishna to and you. And then immediately people are like, either, who the hell is that? Or, yeah. who the hell is that? Yeah, and I have no time for one of that group. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I'm like, I'm already just like, I don't, I, I don't need another friend. But if you're interested, if you're in that other group that I do like, it's like, yeah, let's hang out. Let's talk. Let's discover something new about each other. Okay. So listen, uh, the weather and, uh, and the good news is, okay, what you're, what you're listening to, people, is how the podcast sausage is made, right? We have to put headlines on these episodes. Oftentimes, what these are is very honest, guttural conversations. They go in different directions because life goes in different directions and people do. And it's very difficult to put headlines on them and yet this is where i find in, in my job description and, and and i and i like the challenge of it you know it's an old copywriting challenge but uh i can't help but sometimes uh, get a little um weary of of what gets big do you know what i mean <laughs> like like it sucks that our two biggest episodes are two headlines and i'm like oh god <laughs> hey did, did we did we talk about how uh yik yak is useful for copywriting just as a game <laughs> Yeah, let's th- no we never did. We should maybe I know I know Barrett I know Barrett really hates Yik Yak. And for people who don't know, Yik Yak is like this uh local area social network. So basically when you send a message or when you look at your stream, it's sort of like Twitter except that you can only see people who are within some really small area like a mile or a half mile or something of where you are. Of so like oh, it's only right now real time and right around you. And and, anonymous. The, and the kicker is that it's completely anonymous. You don't have a profile. When you uh-huh. when you download the app, you are essentially signed up. You don't need to create a username. 
and so basically the only thing you have is your reputation, which I don't think other people even see. Maybe it feeds into how popular your stuff is. I'm not sure. But the reason it's useful for copywriting is that people don't get to know anything about you. They don't know who wrote this. You don't get to build up some uh, some sort of reputation and rely on that like you do on Twitter. You know, you could pat yourself on the back if you've been spending years on Twitter because you publish something and people like it, but you kind of forget what it's like to be starting out and to have to publish things that people might like, even though um, you're a nobody. Sorry, I wait, just saw wait. one. What, Barrett? What? So, are you on Yik Yak? Yeah, yeah, we both are. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, so we, but we, the thing is, is that we turned it into a little bit of a game. It's like a competition between so Corbett, me, Andy, a few other folks. We're trying to get the most points, right? Because you get points based on the number of like upvotes or comments or things. And the only um, reason people upvote your shit is because you appealed to something that they like, and and it's really fun for us being creepy older dudes because yeah. mostly on Yik Yak. It's college students. It's so all you, college students. So you get you have to slip into the skin of a college student and, <laughs> and say like, "All I want to do is watch Big Lebowski and eat pizza." Am I right? <laughs> and yeah. And like it's like Bing 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 upvotes. Exactly. <laughs> Good God. So then I just I just looked I just opened it up for the first time in a while. Uh, this is when I saw if you turn off your lights and go to the mirror and say Yeezy three times, Kanye appears and interrupts you before you finish. <laughs> Which exactly. I just love. Exactly. I just love so much. It's so dumb. Okay, so why is this interesting for copywriting, Corbett? Well, it's just, it's because, as I said, you don't have any reputation. Nobody knows who you are. And you have to put yourself in in the mind of a whole different group of people and try to appeal to them. And you get immediate feedback as to whether or not you succeeded. It's basically yeah. headline writing. And, uh, and you get to see if you rack up the points or not. So it's just kind of a fun little game. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't affect your real world personality. And, or, or, and it's like one day it's you slipping into someone else's skin. You're playing a character. Um, and, and this is a very important thing that actually I'm developing quite a bit of ideas about you guys. I don't know if I've, if I've told you much about it, but, um, obviously like with all the voices stuff that I've been doing and all this, this is more, this is part of a larger experiment. And I've been talking to guys like James Clear, my friend Justin Zarati, handful of successful people and asking them this one question that gets them into like thinking about a character that, that they could then make decisions about their business through the lens of that character instead of as themselves. Just like it's really easy to write a tweet for, you know, fake Steve Jobs compared to, right. uh, Corbett Barr, right. right? So using this sort of stuff. So I'm not ready to like bring it all out yet. I, I would love to talk about it, but we have other stuff to cover on the on the show today. Maybe we should get into that now. <laughs> Whoa, good! Wow, look at that restraint, Barrett. I don't know what's happening right now. Yeah, I know. Yeah, right. well, because I know, like, this is like a whole. This is like this is like this is this is when I when it goes to like guru status for me because I yeah. this is something that I, that I know like the the faces that the, the the reactions that I've seen with people. It's been like, whoa, this is freaking cool. That's a great question. And this, that changes air. Wow. And you just see them kind of like thinking to themselves. It's powerful stuff. Well, All right. So let's get to the show today. Let's do it. So I want to do, uh, we've got a bunch of listener questions. As you know, Fizzle Show listeners, because uh, because you've probably been listening to us, and if in case it's your first time, we do question and answer on the show occasionally. We don't do it every episode. Uh, typically, every episode is answering somebody's question, but sometimes we answer several questions in one. And you can ask your questions and get them answered live on, on the air. And one of the best ways that you can do that is you can go to fizzleshow.co slash 
ask. Okay, fizzleshow.co slash ask. And you're going to be able to record your own voice and do the thing. And while you're there, you might as well record a version of your hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show. I've been getting more and more of these and I love them. They're so funny. Um, so, uh, so you can go to fizzleshow.co slash ask and, and, uh, uh, Give us your question there, or you can just write us an email at heyguys at fizzle.co. And so what I want to do today is answer a handful of these questions that we've gotten in, starting with this one from Alex Eaton. He's, he's a 20, 21-year-old senior in college uh, studying marketing and entrepreneurship, and he asks essentially four questions here. Number one, uh, what's the most important thing that he should learn post-school, like in his first job after school? Uh, number two... How can he begin finding that thing that he wants to start a business on? Number three, what are the top three things to do in your first year after college? Probably specifically around, you know, this small business stuff. And number four, what are the resources, any other resources and communities for young entrepreneurs? Um, so, uh, this is fascinating. I mean, I could, I could picture, uh, I don't know. I mean, Corbett, were you thinking about, you did, did you go to college, Corbett? <laughs> you were like a dropout. You're like, I'm already working for the police department as an IT, like I am the IT department. Yeah. I went to college kind of as an afterthought after I already had a full-time job and then just, just did it basically to get the piece of paper. <laughs> working so hard in my steel mill town. I want to go to school, but I got a big frown because I don't get to go and learn like the other kids do. You know, I got to find my way in the world because no one's going to give me a girl because just because I look so good, I got to go to school. <laughs> Sing it. And for a second, I thought maybe you were you were setting us up there, and you had that already in the can. But then, <laughs> but then it didn't it didn't quite live up to it my didn't resolve. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, it's so true. It didn't resolve at all. It was like, well, but this just went full full Springsteen. That's all we, we just like. We went from like a oh look, it's Springsteen talking about going to school. Nope, nope, it's just full Springsteen. <laughs> Um, uh, I, so, yeah. I, have, I have a feeling Barrett's going to have like a billion things to say on this because he was serving yeah. this market recently. But uh, I'll just say, I, whenever we get these questions, I'm always like, oh my God, I wished I had been thinking about entrepreneurship at the age yeah. of 21. Like, I would, you know what I mean? Like, you just yeah, would be absolutely. so deep into it now. And yet I waited. I kind of like, I thought, mm, you know, I always had that feeling like I wanted to run my own business, but I never listened to that voice until I was like 28 or something. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Barrett, give us give us what your what your what your guts are on this. What's the first question again? Um, what are the most important things that that we think he could learn, like in his first year of post school? And I think he specifically said in his job. You know, it's like mm-hmm. like is there something in particular I could look to learn in my first job after college? Okay, so uh, number one is I think you've already done the right thing. You got a job working for a small business owner where he's going to give you some autonomy to make decisions, run a business unit, or I don't know exactly what you're doing, but it sounds like you'll have autonomy, you'll have responsibility, and you'll be able to dream up solutions to the problems you're trying to solve there. I think that's a huge advantage because it's like running a business with a safety net. And every time we talk about this kind of thing between the three of us or publicly, we always say the first thing you should do if you're a youngin and you want to be an entrepreneur is go get an apprenticeship somewhere. And it sounds like you've already lined that up. So to me, you've already won in that as long as you don't screw that up, uh, you're going to have good experiences and you need to make the most of that by being valuable to him. 
And being valuable to him means earning him more money because that's what businesses do. And you need to find creative ways to do that that he wouldn't think of on his own. So number one is be really great at that and do that first and foremost. The second thing is, I don't know where you live, but I would assume, which may not be correct, that your college town and wherever you're going to work are maybe not the same. Even if they are though, either way, continue to build your network in the business community there. Meet other entrepreneurs, uh, meet interesting people doing interesting things, the kinds of people who lead meetups or start organizations on the side or run nonprofits or are entrepreneurs there. Because by having that network and doing favors for them or being a resource for them or just making it known that you're available if they ever need help pays off over years and years and years and years and years. So if you start right when you get out, I think you'll be at a huge advantage over all your peers. Um, And then the third thing I would say is don't only meet people who are like five steps ahead of you. You know, don't only meet the other, the entrepreneurs there who are founding companies, but also be a, build a peer network of people who are kind of high potentials or people who think like you have dinner parties, do breakfast clubs, you know, find different ways to get together with people uh, where you can have conversations about more than the weather or, you know, whatever, who they're dating right now or whatever. Don't dog the weather. Is, yeah. <laughs> except for if you're Corbett. And if you meet Corbett, only talk about the weather. Exactly. I don't know. That's a couple of things. Um, But mainly I would just be really, really, really good at the job that you have and knock that out of the park. And that doesn't mean you need to be there forever, but it does mean be extremely good at that to the point where you have results that you can prove and promote when you move on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. Good words. Good words. Um, I, I, yeah, I think of, uh, well, the, the another question that he asked, I'm gonna I'm gonna team up two of these questions. One of them, uh, how can I find that thing that I want to start my business on? Like, what, like how do I find the topic that I want to do my business about? Um, and then this last one, what are the resources and communities for young entrepreneurs? Well, I could think of no better place to answer those two questions than uh, in our very own Fizzle.co. What is he one, Tiffany? Um, because in Fizzle, there's a course from Corbett. So if anybody has never heard of it, we run a training community for entrepreneurs, uh, lots of video training courses, and the community of entrepreneurs that won't let you quit. These are people like like us who are who are building their own business. They're independent. They typically don't have a lot of people in their life that know what the heck they're trying to do when they're building a blog, right? Or something like that. Um, and this is sort of like our community where we sort of help answer questions and, and do that sort of stuff. And there's one course in particular that Corbett has in there that's super helpful, and it's on choosing your topic. goes through a handful of things about what's the difference between a good topic to choose and a bad one. What's one that maybe doesn't <laughs> – that you're not going to – you're going to totally burn out on or that won't have a great business opportunity and those that actually will, right? So it's an awesome course for that. That's the best place to answer that question of how do you find the thing you want to make your business on. Um, and then in terms of that community – Barrett, I like that you already bring up the idea of like networking in in meet space with people. And so in Fizzle, I would recommend you get into the you get in there. You sign up for a buck and you get thirty days. That's just like kind of on us for a dollar. You get thirty days to kick the tires and see what it's like. So you could do the whole topic course then and kind of uh, dance around in the community a little bit to see if you dig it um, and pay attention. Just, so you can kind of like look around, see if there's anybody in your area there, and then you can kind of find people who are maybe younger, start talking uh, to some of them, uh, and and. 
and really just trying to be helpful in any way that you can, because this comes back like tenfold. We've heard all these stories about fizzlers who have been just super helpful in the forums. And then that from that, they kind of they get to work with those folks. They get consulting gigs or design gigs, or they just kind of like are expanding their network. And now when they launch that thing, they have more friends who are willing to promote it and do all that sort of stuff. So I'm going to answer those two questions with that. And I want us to go to this last question of his. What are the what, if we had if we had to identify three things to learn in your first year uh, after college, like three things that we think are the most important things to learn? What, what would do you guys? What do you guys think? Like like getting specific beyond beyond just like you know having a network and 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 all of the ongoing stuff. What do you think are three things like to learn? Well, and he said uh, three things to do. I think actually, yeah, I think he said it's a do. Right. So, 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 yeah. so for me, that at the top of the list would be to go deep on some specific skill set. It doesn't mean this is the thing that you're going to do for the rest of your life, but you know, you come out of college, you're about an inch deep and a mile wide on a bunch of different subjects. Um, he's done a little bit of a deep dive in marketing, it sounds like, and entrepreneurship, which, which is great. But uh, I wrote a post uh, recently about how you have to specialize in something. That's where all the goodness of being able to build a business or to get a really lucrative career off the ground come from. You have to specialize in something and be good at something. Chase, for you, it was design, right? Um, mm-hmm. For me, early in my career, it was actually software development. Um, you have to figure out one of those skill sets that's very valuable so that um, you'll put yourself in demand. And then you can, uh, when you build a business, you can lean on that skill set either as the centerpiece of your business, the thing that you're teaching and selling, or just a really useful thing that you can offer to your business because you're not going to be able to afford to hire people in the, in the beginning. Yeah. Barrett, what do you got for one? I think you need to be able to learn how to communicate, number one, so whether it's written or spoken word or whatever. So continuing to build your communication skills, it sounds like you're already well on your way with that. And that can come in the form of things like copywriting, you know, writing blog posts that attracts an audience. Uh, but the biggest way I think that's important is being able to pitch your ideas in a way that people understand. And a great example of this happened on our team the other day where Corbett put together a great like deck or uh, slide presentation on all these ideas that we had shared about how to grow fizzle into one cohesive presentation that had a point. And he had a hypothesis at the end about what he th- thought we needed to do, to do next. And I don't care what environment you're in, whether you're an entrepreneur trying to raise funds, an entrepreneur trying to you know gain new customers, or you're in a more traditional business environment like you're going to be working for somebody where you need to pitch them an idea, that skill is incredibly valuable, I think. So I'd say those two. Yeah, that's that's good. I think for me, you know, I don't know. I, there's a lot of things that can come to mind. To me, the, the the most important, probably the most important thing that happened to me in business was when I got to be an apprentice and I got to work under someone that wasn't just good at what they were doing. They had a, it was it was his way of looking at business and the world that was so that affected me just so much. Right. So, in some ways, it's almost like. Like, like, how do I distill that down? It's obviously, it's hard. You don't, you don't really know what you're going to get all, a lot of the times, right? But I would, I would maybe, maybe say like, you know, find, identify a handful of people that you just love the way that they do business. You just love the way that they do business. Something about like their outlook, their way of doing business. They're, they're very intriguing and interesting to you. And 
I would I would identify like 10 of these people and I would hound them all down and try to be like, okay, listen, I just want, I'm going to come out there on my own dime. I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to make your coffee. I'm going to do whatever. I'll just sit in the corner. I won't, I won't bug you at all. I just want to watch you work and I want to be there in case you need any help whatsoever because it would be the most, it would just mean so much for me just to see how you work and to be around you while you work, just kind of to shadow you. Wouldn't be a bummer to you at all. Wouldn't this, that, and the other. Um, I know that I think that would be a hard sell for a lot of people, but but who knows? Maybe you find one um, because that could be one of the who knows how many opportunities that leads to. First of all, second of all, it just could shape your understanding of of what's possible. I mean, if I got to, a chance to go into a, in my first year after college to go into a bunch of different offices and just see how they did things and what it's like to be in these offices, do you know how much, how much better prepared I would be for, uh, like presenting to any one of them or any, any, any business anywhere? Because I would have any sense at all of what a real business is like, let alone what a great business is like to work with. So and anyways, that's a, it's sort of like a far fetched one, but if you want to aim for the stars, I would say find someone that you find a bunch of people that you identify you really love the way that they do business, really love the way they look at 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 the idea of work and and the thing that they do, and just try to get next to them for a week, try to make their coffee for a week, you know, get some cheap hotel, show up early, go home late, and <laughs> see what happens. I don't know. So, uh, Alex, I hope that's helpful, man. Uh, I thanks for your thanks for your question. I hope we see inside fizzle. Uh, if we and and just like I don't know, like good luck, break a leg. You're doing a great job. You're already ahead of the pack. So so um, follow your heart. Like literally, that's what my mom would say, and I believe her. Okay, I want to move on to this next question here from Dave Stewart. And we've heard from Dave before on these question and answer shows, and so he kind of like gives us a little bit of an update of of what he was, uh, what it what he decided to do, and then asks a couple more questions. Let's get into it. Hey guys, it's uh, Dave again. Uh, just checking back in with you. Um, I've let go the camping website for a bit. So uh, Chase, cue, uh, cue the music. I uh, just want to check back with you guys. Had a couple questions for you. Uh, one uh, was for actually uh, Corbett question about moving to Portland. Uh, curious, I didn't hear the backstory on, on why the move. So I'm curious about that since I'm from Portland as well and know people that uh, don't like to move here uh, or live here because of the rain. So that was one question for you. And my other bigger one for you guys is, um, so I've got habitatchat.com up and running, and we've talked a little bit about this before. Um, It's my environmental uh, restoration website. So the big question is, I want to get a course going this year, but also want to get a podcast going. So I'm curious to hear what you guys think on the first one to do is it does it make sense to you know i'm, I'm going to start kind of working on both i guess but um if i was to really tackle one you know what what should i go for so uh feedback there would be awesome uh you guys so thanks a lot again awesome dave thanks so much for your question man uh, De- uh corbett why why did you uh why did you move back to portland <laughs> or maybe more importantly how why did i move back to portland in spite of the rain yeah, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> people, I always say this every summer uh, when I'm around Portland for various conferences, and people are just a buzz, like, "Wow, this is this great undiscovered city. Why doesn't everybody live here?" And yeah. uh, and and you're like, uh, "Try coming back in February and let us know what you <laughs> think then, right?" Yeah. And this February, I guess, is an exception, but generally uh, the pattern is it basically rains for eight months straight, and uh, not to scare Barrett uh, off, but it's pretty dreary for a while. 
And um, that is probably the thing that topped our list of cons when we thought about moving back from San Francisco. Um, really just the rain. The weather becomes a big issue. Here, here we are talking about the weather again. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I don't know, a couple of things. I mean, one, I'm a little bit older and uh, have more to uh, keep me happy besides just the weather. I've kind of learned that over time. And the second thing mm-hmm. is I spend three months uh, every year in Mexico for the winter. So I get to get out of some of the worst of the rain. Um, and, uh, you know, I think global warming might be changing Portland a little bit because the weather has gotten warmer and nicer, um, over the years, it seems like. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. uh, it's a great place to live. Uh, but, uh, come and visit in January if you're thinking about moving there. Yeah, exactly. Um, Dave, I do want to say congrats on making decisions going, uh, you know, say letting go of the camping website for a time, focusing all the way on Habitat Chat. Um, picking one, I think was the, was the advice that we gave earlier just to kind of like, these these ideas are so fragile early on and your energy, you know, when you're split in a hundred different directions in your day job and all this other stuff, it's like it really matters to kind of pick one, which is which is just my story on that. And, uh, you know, there's a hundred success stories of people who do it differently, right? But uh, a specific question from Dave being like, I want to get a course and a podcast up this year. Which do you think I should do first? Any ideas about how we should go about doing that? Barrett, do you have any ideas for him? I personally would get the course up because... If you do the course first and you have something for sale, then you have the potential to have a business on your hands. Uh, in my experience, the podcast is not the thing that's going to get you a ton of audience interaction. It might help you grow another audience or it might be a great channel for you to market your business. But I don't know that that's going to be the best way to do the research necessary to build a course. So for me, I'd get the course done, have that public, bl- keep blogging while you're building that. And then go start the podcast as another way to keep bringing people into the business and showing them the course that you've already built. You know what I think? I it's, it, I like the way that you that you put that because it's true. I mean, it's a, it, it's a matter of Dave. Do you already have all the in- info that you need to make the course? Are you already the expert that can make this thing? Then then maybe go ahead and do it. I always like the to encourage people to do like sort of an iterative or sort of serial version of of putting something out, right? So you're like making it in public as blog posts or podcasts, and then at the end, it's all kind of summed up in this with with you know court worksheets and what, whatever resources uh, as a course, because then you're like. You're on the line to ship your thing every Tuesday or whenever you decide to do it, you know, blog post or podcast. And then, uh, and then, you know, over 12 months, that, that just kind of, that, that, that all builds up and now you've got a thing and all of that built into something. So it depends on, on like sort of the nature of the course and stuff. Another thing I would encourage you to do, um, would be like, what if, uh, if I, so I'm and like, I'm not going to actually encourage you to do this. I'm just saying if I were doing this, uh, maybe what I would do is I would have, uh, one like simple, like free version of this course, like an ebook version type thing of like, a, of like, just like the first part of the course, just one specific, very specific sort of headlineable sort of thing. That would be the giveaway. Right. And then I would do a, a, a season of podcast episodes on, you know, on this topic, on something like that, where it's like, okay, if, if I can imagine for the first, you know, six months, six weeks to do, you know, an episode a week or, or an episode, two episodes a week or something like that. And they could be 15 minutes on this stuff, just so that anybody in iTunes searches for this thing, finds this thing, sees that it's like in season one, we're tackling these, this issue or these five issues. And in this, you know, the first five episodes talk about this, then the second, the next five episodes talk about that, whatever, just as a, as a simple way to kind 
try to time box yourself and give yourself some buckets simply to fill up, you know, like almost like the, the, the Stephen Pressfield fool's cap method of, of podcasts or whatever. But the reason why I like that is your podcast is, it's kind of hard to grow a podcast over time. I mean, maybe you've got a real face for radio and you like to do it. Um, in that case, like, like for us, like I love, I love the podcast like more than anything else we do because this is so much fun. And I feel like this is what I would learn the most from. You know, this is really what I would learn the most from. It's very, it's very successful and fulfilling to me that way, right? So I can't help but do it. But I would, but having that, that sort of, uh, but a lot of people aren't like that. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of like kind of crappy work. Um, and it's not, you know, it's even, it's even more difficult to get discovered now than it was like, you know, six months ago. It's just, it's just growing so fast. Um, but all that to say, it's never been better to get into podcasting than, than right now, or it won't be better later. (laughs) You know, it'll be the best time in your life to get into podcasting is right now, if you want to try it out. So what, how can you come up with an idea maybe for like a a season or something like, like that, where you're not committing to doing podcasting for the rest of your days. You're just saying, I'm going to do two months of podcasts. Uh, that's two times a week. So that's this many episodes. That's, uh, and I'm going to tackle this one issue. And then I'm going to have this free, before I do that, I'm going to have this free sort of giveaway guide so I can send every episode, send people back to get the guide. Maybe it comes with a, you know, uh, you know, each one, each one's in a blog post on Squarespace or something like that. Cause it's all taken care of. Uh, that, that's probably one way that I would go because then from that, uh, from that, I, I, I would dream about ways to make content that I can publish that, that then gets turned into course stuff. So interviews with people, if that's what it is, then that's kind of sexy and interesting as sort of course things. Uh, anyways, that's, that's my, that's my two cents. Uh, Corbett, anything to add? Uh, this is kind of this like perennial question, right? Which comes first, the audience or the product? And yeah. we've talked about this a lot recently in the in in the um, context of like how do we build a robust framework for for what it takes to build a business in general. Um, and I've gone about this both ways. I've done very much product first and audience first. And I can tell you that I prefer audience first because I pretty much flopped when I went product first. Um, yeah. Or we got a lot of we we ended up getting traction, but it was really really painful. The the audience building an audience or or growing a, a market. Um, serves two problems. The biggest one ultimately is uh, that it leads to sales, right? You have an audience, you have a product, you put the two together and you get sales. The greater your audience size, the more sales you're going to make. But a bing, but a boom, huh? But the, the most important thing that an audience actually solves for you early on, as Barrett said, is um, giving you enough information to know that you're building something that is actually useful. Yeah. So you get to interact with this audience, find out you know what they want, how you can solve their problems. So in Dave's case, I think the answer really depends. When he says, I have HabitatChat.com up and running, does he have enough interaction from the audience already to inform his product-making decisions? Um, and if so, then I don't think he needs to build that audience further until he has a product out. Um, so really... To me, the question of do I grow an audience first or a product first is really grow the audience to a point where you're getting enough feedback so that you can build a good product, then build the product, then go back to building the audience further. Um, As Barrett said, though, podcasting is not the greatest place to get that feedback that you need. So to me, a podcast is a way to grow an audience that will ultimately buy your product, but you need another kind of audience first so that you can do the interviews and um, really get the, the research that you need to build a good product. 
Though there is, there may be some first mover advantage stuff in terms of being a you know habitat uh, restoration podcast, one of the first ones or whatever. You Could know, be. whereas there might be a much more blogs. I'd say one more thing for you, Dave, is uh, really invest in the online community of people doing the same thing as you. Like this kind of thing, get to know them all. Be a part of what they're doing as well. Understand the issues that way uh, that they're that they're facing. Maybe they have a larger audience, and you could make this product and kind of sell it into their audience as a as a sort of joint deal with them. Um, but really, just just from the perspective of of like do this out of this mission that you have, and be the one who ties together this community who built uh, uh, like online specifically, not just the community in general of of habitat restoration people, but the on the people who are doing that with a presence online. You know what I mean? Because that's that is an inherent sort of like uh, limiting factor, and so now you have specific kinds of people dealing with the specific same kinds of issues, and you can kind of work with them and help them and be a part of sort of getting that group together. Um, it makes me think of there was another question asked a while ago of like it was uh, a fizzler who had put together a site that kind of like groups together uh, camp counselors and like people making uh, curriculum for for camps and things like that and i just remember that being like such a cool like an amazing like rah rah sort of a perfectly campy sort of like get together sort of vibe that they were creating their business around which was really cool but the point being just like there's other people who are solving some of these problems maybe as well and you're going to be the one doing it your particular way and potentially the one doing it better than everyone else in three years but in the meantime getting to know that community and being a part of it and like kind of the rising tide floats all boats kind of thing all right dave i hope that helps uh get in touch with us keep us in touch uh and let us know uh in the future what else you're working on and 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 what you found out and stuff so i want to move on to another question here from fizzler tom ross hey guys it's tom ross from designcuts.com and in the words of mr jeff chalmers i'm very much still loving the podcast my question today is about how to successfully delegate the more menial kind of grunt work within your company and the stuff that you really don't particularly enjoy doing and you realize is incredibly lame and boring. Currently, we're finding some really driven, positive, talented people to come and join our team. But of course, we want to give them work that lights them up each day and helps them progress within a fun career. So if we gave them this bundle of lame work to do, they'd fairly quickly leave uh, or possibly murder me in the process. So I guess it's about how to find someone that you can trust who is talented, intelligent, everything you're looking for, um, but be able to delegate this work that they're probably not going to enjoy a great deal. Uh, when you're within a organization that cares about people, this feels a little bit impossible. And uh, I'd really appreciate your genius brains coming together to help me out with this one. Thanks a lot, guys. Love what you're doing. Uh, thanks, Tom. I love how I love that soft-spoken British accent. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just that's all I want to say about it. Just like yeah, just oh yeah. <laughs> By the way, that uh, loving the podcast, man. That's an old one. That's an old line from like episodes a long time ago. Yep. Gosh, that's cool, man. That, that felt good to hear because. You know, if you're new to the show or you haven't listened to a bunch of our back episodes, there's all these great, like, inside jokes that last, you know, maybe 10 to 20 episodes maximum, you know? And then they kind of, like, fade out and new ones come and come up and, and go. And loving the podcast <laughs> was a good one. <laughs> was it from I Love You, Man? Yeah, I think Slapping so. the bass. <laughs> loving the podcast, man. <laughs> oh, I love that. That was some Jeff Chalmers 
Throwback. That's great. Okay, uh, so Tom Ross runs designcuts.com. Uh, he's got a real business going there. Um, um, so, so it sounds like uh, what, what he's asking here is how do you, how do you, how do you find good people to, to, we have this, we have this grunt work, this menial work to do. How do we find people that can do this and that it isn't like, you know, soul crunching so, for them as well? So I think we can give him two perspectives. I'll give the first, which is from our standpoint in terms of hiring. And then Barrett can give him the perspective of, uh, I'm low man on the totem pole and there is a lot of crap that I have to do. <laughs> and how do I deal with it? So, um, I think there are a couple of ways you can go. The, the risk is always that you're looking for the most talented, brightest, you know, young talents out there. And, um, the risk is that you're going to bore them to death, like Tom said. Uh, so you have to be careful. And I think there are two ways you can go about that. One is you can hire people that are maybe a little underqualified on paper, but are really hungry and are kind of willing to do all of that grunt work. They're willing to, to work their way up from the newspaper room or, or whatever it is, you know, the, the mailroom stories that you used to hear about in corporations. Um, because they know that maybe they don't have all of the, the boxes checked. And they need to kind of put in their time to get there. The other way you can go, and I'm not saying that's you, Barrett, by the way. The other way you can go, I think, is to, to hire somebody who is really qualified, but you can just tell that their temperament is such that they understand that there's a lot of menial shit that has to get done. Um, you as the CEO leader can sort of lead by example and just say, you know, I have to do a lot of this menial stuff because we're three people on the company right now. And that's kind of how it goes. We all have to do our time so that we build a brighter future for the business um, later, and you know, um, every kiss begins with K. <laughs> exactly, Barrett. What's your take? Since since uh, you get to do a lot of stuff that uh, probably isn't so glamorous. Yeah, I mean, I think that you have to provide some balance there. You have to give the people at least a glimpse of some of the strategic side or some of the project oriented side of the work, even if it's not the majority of what they do. So let's say uh, you need a person to fill like thirty thirty five hours worth of menial tasks, as you say, per week. Well, can you take another 5, 10, 15 hours and give them interesting project work or involve them in conversations around project work and strategy so that they see the bigger vision for where the organization is going? Mm. And then I think as you give them that opportunity, you have to show them a path to moving away from that menial work, a career path, if you will, so that they're not sitting there thinking, okay, how long am I willing to tolerate this menial work in this company before I bounce. But instead, you know, what is this menial work leading me to later? What am I going to grow into within design cuts or within the company if I continue to do this and do it extremely well and look for other ways to improve the company at large? So I think if you show that there's that possibility, you create the motivation for people to find other ways to contribute outside of just the repeatable tasks that you're giving them. So that's what I would say from my perspective. Yeah, and I, uh, just to add to that, I think it, it really depends on the, the ambition level of the person. I know that um, 37 Signals, for example, or now I guess they're called Basecamp, they've written a lot about who they hire and their hiring process and, and so on. And I, I think it, they still do, but they used to have a belief that there were certain kinds of roles where they wanted to find people who didn't have the motivation to move up people who wanted to make a career of becoming really good at some specific thing and uh, and who would look forward to doing that for a long time, maybe growing a little bit within the specific function. But really, for example, with customer support, they were looking to hire people who wanted to do customer support for, um, for many, many years that they didn't have to worry about training to become a software developer or a product manager or whatever 
um, moving up. So I think you can define it however you want. You just have to find the right match between um, how you want to hire and the kinds of people who are going to fill those roles. Yeah, that's yeah, a great I, point. I think, yeah, Barrett, your point's very, very good about like, you know, showing them the path to, uh, to the future, you know, uh, but also including them in that high level in that high level strategy conversation stuff that that's totally, I mean, there's not, there's not a, there's not a kid. I mean, I remember just, there's not a kid alive that doesn't want to be like at that strategy meeting, you know, for the most part, at least people like us, you know, and we want to be included in it because we know we have good ideas too. And we want to prove our value and things like that. And, and sometimes that's enough sex appeal to like allow, to make me put up with a lot of crap. Right. But, not too much crap because eventually if I don't feel like this, this ladder is leading anywhere, if I just, if it's just like a treadmill where I'm keeping trying to climb and just doing this work and setting up this social media and doing this, that and the other, and I have to cut out this image and do that and the other, and then I have to resize this and all this. If I'm just doing all of this production bull crap all the time, all the time, and I don't see a way out of it. Um, it, it does. It just like, it just is soul sucking. It, it starts to kill you. And I guess I, I wonder if, um, you know, there's a way to, let people into that strategy and to see what the bigger picture is, but not necessarily expect to participate in that strategy so that, so that you feel like that, that menial work or whatever you want to call it, um, is serving a greater purpose. So you know that just because you're putting caps on bottles that, you know, it's, it's because we're producing the greatest beer in the world and we're trying to change craft brewing and so on, you know? Yeah, no, that story is really big. That's important. You're right. And okay, guys. I, I do. I want to kind of yeah. pile on real quick with Corbett's point. I do think there are some people, maybe not who forever will do that kind of work, but they might go through life stages where it's a time in their life or a season in their life where that's exactly what they want to be doing is have something they can execute on, do it well, and then get out of there and not yeah. be like 10 p.m. at night thinking about how to improve the business or whatever. So yeah. don't underestimate the possibility that you can find some people who may be very interested in that kind of job for a good company who cares about their people. Yeah, just because, you know, we as uh as, you know, entrepreneurs or founders or whatever, I believe ex- executives, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, uh just because we are all interested in in moving up and, you know, and climbing the ladder, all that kind of stuff. It doesn't mean everybody is. I just think about um my UPS driver, our our UPS driver, Chase. Our Scott, our. uh Scott in our neighborhood in Portland. The guy's been doing it for 20 years and there are plenty of UPS drivers and, and mail carriers and all kinds of people who do jobs that are fulfilling in their own way. And they don't expect to become management in those companies necessarily. They just want to do their job and, and live their life. And uh, they see their jobs very much as just a, a way to earn a living so that they can do things that they enjoy in life and not let their job take over their entire life as the rest of us, for some reason, decided was the right way to go. Yeah, I mean... But going back to Alex's question earlier, what's the number number one thing that you could maybe do after college is just try not to become an entrepreneur. Just like get a great job somewhere, <laughs> right? Like just just be decent at anything and get hired by a, a a not not jerky company and then just work there for the rest of your life and put away in savings. You know what I mean? Just like keep putting away in savings. That'd be a good thing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, totally. I, I wonder like what the stats are in terms of the average entrepreneur's lifetime earnings. You know, because we all. We all are hoping that we're building towards something bigger, um, yeah. but in the interim, there's a lot of living off of nothing for a while or earning a meager income because you're trying to put everything you can into. Yeah, the company. but you know what? Like, you know what? It's like I, I think I'd probably prefer it this way. I, I got friends who are like, uh, like I, I the only other profession I look at and like, they can go like, ding, I'm a little bit jealous is like nurses. 
because they they get to do stuff that's clearly meaningful and and they deal with life and death. They're like right in the thick of things, and it's just like everyday stuff to them. You know what I yeah. mean? It's just regular everyday stuff, and it's hard work. And you you work you get these weird schedules, and and you know you're four days on, four days off, or something like that. And I've got a, like a couple of my closest friends are nurses, and and I just watch them do what they do, and I go like, you know, this is I like I, there's something good about that. But they really like they really geek out about regular life stuff, and I just don't like the regular life is super boring to me the most exciting as i said before like the most exciting game i could possibly play is building a business with chase reap you know <laughs> right <laughs> because it, it so it's like i they're like i would i'm fine i'm fine with not being able to put into savings i'm i'm fine with with uh you know uh the all of the hardship and the agita and, and acid reflux and not being able to sleep and and whatever when that when that happens it, and i'm fine with like you know all of the other things like the mediocre mediocre success where you're like you're like dude this is the best you ever did and then and you realize like it's not very successful in the grand scheme of things or whatever just this whole process and this whole way of going about things i i think i'm okay with it uh and i wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy exactly i really i really wouldn't totally because because it's a it's a it's a it's a lifestyle of constant motion constant activity and you're never going to get you're never going to satisfy yourself that's the bummer man when, when can we just wake up and go like go like we really did it guys like, like <laughs> you never get to do that not even once because because like there's something built into it where it's like if you feel satisfied you might not try very hard and then you're gonna die yeah we're sort of the entrepreneurs are sort of the equivalent of that friend who seems to make his life really hard for no reason oh yeah he's always yeah, in constant yeah. like relationships Dude, what struggles. do you mean she totally liked you <laughs> no no i screwed it up again exactly or yet yeah, they're in jail or they've got drug problems or whatever and it's just because yeah. They thrive on all that chaos in life, and I feel like entrepreneurs oh. are kind of that that same thing. Well, the good news is I'm seeing a therapist now, and uh, I believe I'm probably the best person that she sees. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> is that so? Is that is that what, is that what you go into a new relationship with a therapist? That, That's your that goal is, is to make her love you. Yeah, I, the, uh, of course. Oh, uh, two things. Two things. Number one, you go and you judge a therapist by the number of crumpled up tissues there are in the garbage can. Just immediately look for the look yeah. for the garbage can. And if you just see like a couple in there, it's like, oh, okay, you're okay, you're all right, you're getting better. I hope. You know, I, I well, we'll keep checking in. You know, but the first time I went in, there was like seven or eight, and I was like, whoa. And then the next time, I was like two. I was like, okay, you're sort of tailing off here. All right, are we at the end of your career? And this is the second time I've ever met her. <laughs> is this uh, <laughs> has this become the fizzle show with Mark Marin? Uh, I don't know, people. I don't know, people. I don't know. Pow! I <laughs> pants. Good coffee. Not co op. Uh, <laughs> what is it with my body? I got these skin tags. I got a skin tag. What is that? What, 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 what is my body falling apart now? Anyways, I got a new record player. <laughs> I sat. I got to sit in the same room with him. Sat across from him. He's the big bad wolf. He's the big. Just me, him. Microphone. Everything was phallic in that room. It was him and me, and, cigars. and then there was two microphones, and then a bunch of cigars. Yeah, just just a bunch of just the, just Freud was just like, yeah, this is very good. I have a lot to work with here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, that brings our our uh, episode ninety. What is it? Ninety five. Whoa, a, we're getting kind of close to a, a close. little milestone. Okay, so let's start talking. Okay, so. Fizzlers, uh, are, we've, we're five episodes away from our 100th episode. That's a big thing, you know. You, you never expect to go, to go that to go that far, really. Um, and this is still one of my favorite things that I do. Uh, I think I think uh, you guys, Corbett Barrett, you would agree, right? This is really fun, right? Yeah, yeah. 
It's kind of like in it's, terms it's, it's of like re- in terms of like the things that we get to do for work. Yeah, this is yeah, this is at yeah. the top of the list. I think. I mean, making podcasts is my favorite thing. Putting a head a headline on a podcast is like my least favorite thing. So it's like somewhere in between there, I get to live, um, bouncing around between those two. But you know, if you have any ideas for things that we could do on our hundredth episode, let us know. Um, maybe maybe shoot us an email at heyguys at fizzle dot co or I don't know, guys. Well, let's start let's start thinking about that because I'd like to do something kind of fun. I don't know what. Mm. Man, that would be <clears throat> yeah. What if we could hear from a hundred show listeners in one episode? Wow. What, but here, what? I, just, I don't know. I'm just throwing stuff. I'm spitballing. Come on. Trying to get the wheels turning. <laughs> all right, all right. I like it. I like Trying it. to get okay. the wheels turning for people. He doesn't have to do the editing. <laughs> yeah, He's like, 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 like a hat that goes, <laughs> Wapner's on it for. Wapner's on it for. Like a shirt that goes, um, okay, guys. Well, uh, anything else to add, you two? No. I have been Chase Wardman Reeves. I've been Corbett Lee Barr. I have been Barrett Allen and we have been okay, pretty okay. We've been pretty okay. Pretty not too bad. <laughs> Fizzlay. Fizzlay? Fizzlay. Oh, I bet that's how people say it. So there you have it. Our thanks to Alex, Dave, and Tom for your questions. We love hearing from you guys. And girls, where are the ladies? Send in your questions. Come on, girls. Fizzleshow.co slash ask. Or shoot us an email at heyguys at fizzle.co. And we'll answer your question live on the air. Again, for show notes here, fizzleshow.co slash 95. If you were subscribed to the email list, you'd already know about the epic posts we published this week with over 50 sites for free images, fonts, and icons to use in blog posts and social media stuff. It's killer. Fizzleshow.co slash 95. Get on the email list, folks. We are so close to 450 global iTunes reviews. We're just like right around the corner. So if you could literally take 30 seconds to open iTunes, search the store for The Fizzle Show, and write us a review, I will literally make you something. Here's one iTunes review uh, titled, Funny and Helpful, Five Stars. I laugh every time, so it's worth being patient to glean the good business advice. That one boy who does the silly voices is crazy. <laughs> Thank you, Ferba Bivet from the United States. These iTunes names are still, they still get me. I'm that one boy whose silly voices are crazy. <laughs> love that. If you could leave us an iTunes review, we'd really love it. I want to I get past that 450 mark. I just published in Fizzle a great course on making better social media images to get more people to your content, even if you don't have any design experience. I'll put a link to that in the show notes, as well as to this massive article that we wrote with these 50-plus resources for for images for your blog. Uh, Those will be in the show notes at fizzleshow.co slash 95. I had a blast making both of them. And I think you're going to like them. Find care. Take care. Serve hard. And dig in. Thanks. I'll talk to you next Fizzle Friday. <laughs>